Blog Talk Radio. Jim Thorpe was a colossal figure in American athletics and a fascinating figure in American history. He was perhaps the greatest athlete in this country's history. He was not only an Olympic gold medalist in the decathlon, but also a brilliant All-American football player at the Carlisle Indian School and the first president and the greatest player in the incipient National Football League as well as a Major League Baseball player. No other athlete in American history has done that trifecta. From the studio of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener. And with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio. We like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you will find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spoolis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this Friday program, the 24th day of February. Friday, 2023. Thanks so much for joining us on yet this segment of Sports Beat Radio, Talking Sports. And today we're going to be talking about a figure in sports that uh, lives on and on, even though most of us have never seen him. And that is Jim Thorpe, the greatest athlete. As you know, our show is educational radio, and that's what I hope to do with these shows and informing. Uh, sports fans about the history, the past, the present, and the future, and some of the other things that go on in sports. And uh, we're proud to talk about a uh, very phenomenal football player. Uh, You heard the sound bite, courtesy of YouTube and NFL Films. An interesting guy, uh, a Sock Fox Indian, born in Oklahoma, uh, we spend, uh, my family spends time in the Poconos, and not too far from where we have a house there is a place called Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, which I believe the correct, I could be wrong, Mons Chonk, I think it was actually called. They agreed to bring Jim Thorpe there uh, upon his uh, death. And as you enter the, the town, uh, pretty little town. They call it the Switzerland of Pennsylvania. It has some real deep mountains and canyons and a real good place to uh, do some whitewater rafting and all of that. Uh, as you enter the town, you pass this park, and in the uh, middle of the park, we don't have a picture of it on our slideshow, but uh, there is the uh, actual mausoleum as to where Jim Thorpe is, and there's some uh, statues of him, and uh, it's, it's lighted at night, and it's a really a cool thing. And then, of course, uh, Oklahoma, where he was born, uh, tried to sue Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, for the rights of getting their uh, son back to uh, Oklahoma. But uh, here he rests in Pennsylvania. They decided to name the town after him, and uh, I believe his wife and the descendants and family of Jim Thorpe agreed 
that his final resting place would be there. So if you're in the Pocono area, you might want to look at that. It's a it's a really cool place to see him. Um, it's like a granite type of mausoleum, and he's buried in there with uh, you know statues and everything else. So. Jim Thorpe, really, we talked about what great, great, great athletes do. You know, there's greatness, and then there's the ones that revolutionize sports. And Jim Thorpe was that kind of a guy. Now, unfortunately, most of us don't know him because there's only, I believe, one reel of um, actual motion picture of Jim Thorpe playing for the Canton Bulldogs way back in the 20s. This is when the NFL started. And he was uh, a fairly prolific player. You know, you heard um, Bronco Nagurski, who was uh, another great player, uh, you know, who was uh, supposedly able to do all these things. Well, Jim Thorpe really surpassed all athletics because not only was he a great football player, but as you heard in the soundbite, a fantastic baseball player. He was in the 1912 Olympics in Stockholm where King Gustav said to him, Sir, you are the greatest athlete of all times. And, of course, Jim Thorpe looked at the king and said, Thanks, king. That was his reply. Uh, but Jim Thorpe was an articulate guy. He was a ballroom dancer, believe it or not. He was a very, very fine billiards player. Uh, he was a lot of things. You know, we we kind of envious of people like that. So there's just some people that are great at everything. We don't see too many of them, but they're just people that were born to be great at whatever they want to do. And uh, Jim Thorpe also uh, made TV appearances uh, in the 50s. Uh, he passed away in the 50s. So we're going to be kind of outlining Jim Thorpe's uh, career and, you know, what, uh, uh, you know, went on with Jim Thorpe. And uh, the interesting thing about him, and there's a lot of pictures. We have uh, some pictures of him on here. Uh, he was a big guy for his time. He was 6'1", 202 pounds. And uh, he went to college at Carlisle, 1907, 1908, 1911 through 1912. He played for the Canton Bulldogs, the Cleveland Indians. Now, this is the, uh, the Bulldogs were a, a very, very prominent team back in uh, the 20s. He played for them before they became the NFL franchise. The Oorang Indians in 22, the Rock Island Independents in 24, the New York Giants, who came to fruition in 1925, believe it or not, uh, Wellington Mara, who bought the Giants, he bought them for $500 back in 1925, which was a lot of money. I believe today the Giants are worth close to $4 billion. Not a bad investment. He also played for the Tampa Cardinals in 1926, again for the Bulldogs in 26, and then the Chicago Cardinals, who are still one of the uh, charter members of the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he played for those in 1928. He was a coach at Indiana in 1915. And with the Bulldogs, the Indians, and the Cardinals all through the 20s. He was uh, first-team All-Pro in 1923. The NFL 1920s All-Decade Team, the NFL 50th Anniversary All-Team, and a two-time consensus All-American in uh, 2011 and 2012. His batting average, 252. Um, you know, not stellar, but uh, pretty good for those days. He had 82 runs batted in. He didn't play baseball for a long time. He played for the Giants, the Cincinnati Reds back in the seven, uh, 1917, the Giants in 1918-1919, uh, and then the Boston Braves uh, in 1919. Uh, had seven home runs, 177 uh, hits, 82 runs batted in, and um, his uh, debut was April 14, 1913 for the Giants. 
and his last Major League Baseball appearance was 1919, September 25th, for the Boston Braves. Now, if you know, if you remember, Jim Thorpe actually, uh, in those days, when you were an Olympian, you were not allowed, and this was all, almost recent. It's only happened within the last probably 10 years or so, where if you uh, took money, uh, you could not participate in the Olympics. And it was found out that I believe he made $20 or something for one of the games in professional baseball. And when they found out, they took his medals away. And so that was a, a controversy. It wasn't like Jim Thorpe didn't have controversy. But his name was James Francis Thorpe. Wathohuk. That was his Indian name, and it means bright path. May 22nd or May 28th, they weren't real sure. 1887, and he passed away 1953, March 28th, a member of the Sac and Fox Nation, as I said before. He was the first Native American to win a gold medal for the United States in the Olympics, considered one of the most versatile athletes of modern sports. He won two Olympic gold medals in 1912 Summer Olympics, one in the classic pentathlon and the other in the decathlon. And he also played American football, as we said, collegiate and professional, professional baseball and basketball. He lost his Olympic titles, uh, as we mentioned earlier, after it was found he had paid for playing two seasons of semi-professional baseball before competing in the Olympics. This is before 1912. And thus that violated the contemporary amateurism rules. And so 1983, 30 years after his death, the IOC, uh, who is not a real, uh, you know, lawful organization, to say the least. They restored his Olympic medals with replicas after ruling that the decision to strip him of the medals fell outside of the required 30 days. So the official IOC record still listed Thorpe as co-champion in decathlon and pentathlon until 19, actually until 2022, and that was decided to restore him as the sole champion in both events. Um, so Thorpe grew up, as I said, in the uh, Sack and Fox Nation in what is now Oklahoma. It was Indian Territory at that time. He attended the Carlisle Indian Industrial School in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. He was a two-time All-American for the school's football team under a person that most football fans know, Pop Warner, under that coach. And after his Olympic success in 1912, he included a record score in the decathlon. He added a victory in the all-around championship of the Amateur Athletic Union in 1913. He played for the Pine Village Pros, uh, which were in Indiana, and later in 1913 he signed with the Giants and played six seasons in Major League Baseball between 1913 and 1919. He joined the Canton Bulldogs American football team in 1915. This would be five years before uh, Ralph Hay and George Hallis uh, gave birth to the National Football League and helping them win three professional champions. He later played for six teams in the National Football League. He played a part of several All-American Indian teams throughout his career and barnstormed as professional basketball player with a team composed entirely of American Indians. Now, it's interesting, barnstorming in the 20s was a big deal. The Bears did it a lot with uh, Red Grange. Uh, they would play several games in a week. didn't matter if you were banged up or not, and it was all you know, in the uh, desire of money, of course. So... From 1920 to 21, he was nominally the first president of the American Professional Football Association. Of course, that's what it was called, APFA, the first two years. And then in 1922, it became the NFL. He played professional sports until age 41. He's up there with George Blanda and uh, Adam Venatieri and uh, Tom Brady. 
And at the end of his sports career, he coincided with the start of the Great Depression. So he struggled to earn a living after that. He worked several odd jobs. He suffered from alcoholism, which a lot of Native Americans do, and lived his last years in failing health and poverty. He was married three times and had eight children before suffering from heart failure and passing in 1953. So Thorpe had received numerous accolades for his athletic accomplishments. The Associated Press ranked him as the greatest athlete from the first 50 years of the 20th century, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame inducted him as part of its inaugural class in 1963. The town of Jim Thorpe, as we alluded to earlier in the show, Pennsylvania, was named in his honor, and it has a monument site that contains his remains, which were the subject of legal action, as I mentioned before. Oklahoma wanted it back, uh, but uh, it still rests there today, and I believe it will stay there. And, of course, if you saw the 1951 film with Burt Lancaster, uh, Thorpe uh, appeared in several films uh, and was portrayed by Burt Lancaster in 1951, Jim Thorpe, All-American. So his college career... Uh, Thorpe began his athletic career at Carlisle in 1907, as I mentioned, when he walked past the track and still in street clothes, beat all the high school high jumpers with a 5-foot, 9-inch jump. And his earliest recorded track and field results came in 1907. He also completed and competed, I should say, in football, baseball, lacrosse, and ballroom dancing, which I alluded to earlier, winning the 1912 Intercollegiate Ballroom Dancing Championship. And then Pop Warner was hesitant to allow Thorpe, his best track and field athlete, to compete in such a physical game as football. So Thorpe, however, convinced Warner to let him try rushing plays in practice against the school's team defense. Warner assumed he would be tackled easy and give up the, the idea, but Thorpe ran around, passed and threw not uh, just one but twice, and he walked over Warner and said, nobody's going to tackle Jim while flipping him the ball. So Thorpe first gained national notice in 1911 for his athletic ability as a running back, defensive back, place kicker, and punter. He scored all of his team's four field goals in an 1815 upset of Harvard, a top-ranked team in the early days of the uh, National Collegiate Athletic Association, the NCAA, which is what it would be. And his team finished 11-1 in 1912. Carlisle won the National Collegiate Championship largely as a result of Thorpe's efforts, and he scored 25 touchdowns, 198 points during the season according to CNN's Greg Patello. Steve Boda, researcher for the NCAA credits Thorpe with 27 touchdowns and 224 points, and he rushed 191 times for 1,869 yards, according to Boda. The figures do not include statistics from two of Carlisle's 14 games in 1912 because full records are not available. And of course, that was the, always the problem. Their records were kind of shady, particularly in the NFL in the early days. Uh, there is supposed evidence that Jim Thorpe, and I made the comment the other day, that Jim Thorpe kicked a 70-yard field goal. Now, in those days, they drop-kicked. I don't believe they kicked uh, off of a tee. They may have, but they drop-kicked. In other words, they would take the ball uh, on the snap, drop it on the ground, and then kick it. And there were several people that said that they saw him kick a 70-yard field goal. Now, I'm not a field goal kicker, so I'm, I'm not sure if you have an advantage to kick that way. I would think that most of the great field goal kickers today, Justin Turner and all these other guys that are out there who are phenomenal, probably couldn't kick field goals that way. But nonetheless, uh, Jim Thorpe supposedly was, uh, was able to do that. So then in the spring of 1912, he started training for the Olympics. 
and he had confined his efforts to jumps, hurdles, and shot puts, but now added pole vaulting, javelin, discus, hammer, and a 56-pound weight. In the Olympic trials held in Celtic Park in New York, his all-around ability stood out uh, all of these events, so he earned a place on the team that went to Sweden. So the 1912 Summer Olympics in Sweden, two new uh, events, disciplines were introduced, the pentathlon and the decathlon. And so the decathlon was a relatively new event in modern athletics. Uh, a men's version had been featured on the program of the 1904 St. Louis Olympics, and the events of the new decathlon differed slightly from the American version. So both the events seemed fairly appropriate for Thorpe, who was a versatile uh, athlete, so he served as Carlisle's one-man team in several track meets. And according to his obituary in the New York Times, he could run the 100-yard dash in 10 seconds flat, the 220 in 21.8 seconds, the 440 in 51.8 seconds, the 880 in 1.57 seconds, the mile in 435, the 120-yard high hurdles in 15 seconds, and the 220-yard low hurdles in 24 seconds. He could long jump 23 feet 6 inches and high jump 6 feet 5 inches. And he could pole vault 11 feet, but the shot, uh, 47 feet 9 inches, throw the javelin 163 feet, and throw the discus 136 feet. What a, what a, you know, what a accomplishment. And you have to remember, this is in the early part of the 1900s. So he was extremely busy in the Olympics along with the decathlon and the pentathlon, he competed in the long jump and high jump, and his uh, final event was the decathlon, his first, as it turned out, and his only decathlon. Strong competition from Hugo Weislander, who was a, a German, uh, was expected, and Thorpe Howard defeated Weislander by 688 points. He placed in the top four in all ten events, and his Olympic record of 8,413 points stood for nearly two decades. And even more remarkably, because someone had stolen his shoes just before he was due to compete, he found a mismatched pair of replacements, including one from a trash can, and won the gold medal wearing them. So overall, Thorpe won eight of 15 individual events comprising the pentathlon and the uh, decathlon. And as was the custom of the day, uh, the medals were presented to the athletes during the closing ceremonies of the games, just like it has been really for its inception, even in the early Greek times. And along with the two gold medals, Thorpe was also receiving two challenge prizes, which were donated, as I mentioned earlier, by the king of uh, Sweden, King Gustav V, for the decathlon, and uh, Tsar Nicholas II of Russia, for the pentathlon, several sources recount that when awarding Thorpe his prize, and this is what I said earlier in the quote, King Gustav of Sweden said, you, sir, are the greatest athlete in the world. To which Thorpe replied, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you would think that he would say something, you know, profound, but he just said, thanks, King. So Thorpe's biographer, Kate Buford, suggests that the story is uh, you know, maybe made up, maybe not, who knows, as she believes that such a comment would have been out of character for a man who was highly uncomfortable in public ceremonies and hated to stand out. So the anecdote appeared in newspapers by 1948, 36 years after his appearance in the Olympics in time for myth-making, and the books as early as 1952. So Thorpe's success were followed in the United States on the Olympic team's return. He was the star attraction in a ticker tape parade on Broadway, he remembered later, I heard people yelling my name, and I couldn't realize how one fellow could have so many friends. 
So apart from his track and field appearances, Thorpe also played in one of the two exhibition baseball games at 1912 Olympics, which featured two teams composed mostly of U.S. track and field athletes. And Thorpe had previous experience in the sport, as a public soon learned. So, you know, the uh, controversy in 1912, there were strict rules regarding amateurism, which were in effect for athletes participating in the Olympics. So the athletes who received money prizes for competitions were sports teachers or had competed previously against professionals were not considered amateurs, and they were barred from competition. So in late January of 1913, the Worcester uh, Telegram reported that G uh, Thorpe had played professional baseball before the Olympics, and other U.S. newspapers followed up on the story. Of course, you know, everybody's out to get you, just like it is today. Nothing's changed. Thorpe has played professional baseball in Eastern Carolina League for Rocky Mount, North Carolina, in 1909-1910, receiving meager pay, reportedly as little as $2, which would have been $58 today per game, and as much as 35 which would have been $1,018 today per week. So college players, in fact, regularly spent summers playing professionally in order to earn some money, but most used aliases, unlike Thorpe. You know, they always say honesty is the best policy. Well, in this case, he was honest, and he got screwed. So although the public did not seem to care much about Thorpe's past, the AAU, the Amateur Athletic Union, uh, especially its second uh, secretary, James Edward Sullivan, took the case very seriously, and Thorpe wrote a letter to Sullivan in which he admitted playing baseball uh, professionally. So his letter did not help, of course, trying to be honest. The AAU decided to withdraw Thorpe's amateur status retroactively, and later that year the International Olympic Committee, another gem of an organization, unanimously decided to strip Thorpe of his Olympic, Olympic titles, medals, and awards and declare him a professional. So although Thorpe had played for money, the AAU and IOC did not follow their own rules for disqualification. The rule book for the 1912 Olympics stated that protests had to be made within 30 days from the closing ceremonies of the Games. So with that, the first newspaper reports did not appear until January 1913, about six months after the Stockholm Games had concluded. And with that, there is also some evidence that Thorpe was known to have played professional baseball before the Olympics, but the AAU had ignored the issue until being confronted with it in 1913. So the only positive aspect of this affair for Thorpe was that as soon as the news was reported that he had been declared a professional, he received offers from professional sports clubs. And, of course, we know, you know, all of that, how he played for the Canton Bulldogs, how he played for the Giants, barnstorming in basketball. And after his athletic career, he struggled really to provide for his family, found it difficult to work a non-sports-related job and never held a job for an extended period of time. And during the Great Depression, in particular, he had various jobs, amongst others, as extra for several movies, usually playing an American Indian or Chief in Westerns. In the 1932 comedy, Always Kicking, Thorpe was predominantly uh, and preeminently cast in a speaking part as himself, a kicking coach teaching young football players to drop kick. And in 1931, during the Great Depression, he sold the rights uh, to his life story to MGM for $1,500. Today, that would be 27000 And Thorpe portrayed an umpire in the 1940 film, Newt Rockne, All-American. He played a member of the Navajo Nation in the 1950 film, Wagon Master. 
And he was mentioned in Warner Brothers, a memorialized film, Jim Thorpe All-American. That was in 51, as we learned to earlier. That was uh, with Burt Lancaster. The film was directed by Michael Curtiz. And although there were rumors that Thorpe received no money, he was paid 15000 by Warner Brothers, plus a $2,500 donation toward an annuity for him by the studio head of publicity. And the movie included uh, footage of the 1912 and 1932 Olympics. Thorpe was seen in one scene as a coaching assistant, and it was also distributed in the United Kingdom, where it was called Man of Bronze. His parents were both, as I said, half Caucasian, raised in Native American, and he accomplished his athletic feats uh, despite the severe racial inequality of uh, natives in the uh, Native Americans in the United States, and it's also often been suggested that his Olympic medals were stripped by the athletic officials because of his ethnicity. And while it's difficult to prove this, the public comment at the time largely reflected this view. And at the time, Thorpe won his gold medals. Not all Native Americans were recognized as U.S. citizens. Isn't that interesting? They were the first people here, but we didn't recognize them. Citizenship was not granted to American Indians until 1924. So then, of course, he gets his, uh, because of the technicality of 30 days, uh, the IOC gave him back his medals. And uh, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, of course, the funeral after he was uh, uh, passed away, was held at St. Benedict's Catholic Church in uh, Oklahoma, and his body lay in state at Fairview Cemetery. Residents had paid to have it returned to Shawnee by train from California. But the people began a fundraising effort to erect a memorial for Thorpe at the town's athletic park, and local officials had asked state legislators for funding. But a bill that included 25000 for their proposal was vetoed by Governor Johnston Murray at the time. So meanwhile, Thorpe's third wife, unbeknownst to the rest of the family, took Thorpe's body and had it shipped to Pennsylvania, where she heard that a small Pennsylvania town, Monschonk, and East Monschonk were seeking to attract business. So she made a deal with officials, which, according to Thorpe's son, Jack, was made by the widowed Patricia for monetary considerations. And the towns bought... Uh, Thorpe's remains erected a monument in his uh, grave and merged and renamed the newly united town in his honor, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Thorpe had never been there. The monument site contains his tomb, statues of him and athletic poses and historical markers recounting his life. And, of course, uh, the Jim Thorpe Area Running Festival is a series of races started in 2019 in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, it includes a marathon of 26.2-mile foot race that features a steady elevation drop from start to finish. I have uh, been to Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania numerous times, and it is a, uh, a really kind of a provincial town, a nice place to visit. If you're in the Pocono area, you might want to stop through, particularly in the summer, uh, and see the uh, the park in which uh, one of the greatest athletes of all time. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that we tend to forget the kind of athletes that the world has had over the years, particularly in our own country. Um, you know, it's also interesting to me that a person of that magnitude who was the first uh, commissioner of the NFL way back in 1920, a person who was known really, for the most part, uh, all, not all over the world, but very worldly for his accomplishments, ended up really in poverty. It reminds me today of many of our veterans who uh, gave their limbs and life and everything else, uh, and me many of them are 
living uh, homeless in tents in some of our major cities. And I think it's a disaster and a disgrace uh, that uh, these kinds of people, any people really, but those kinds of people, those heroes of our of our nation, uh, are left to wallow in that kind of uh, disgrace. And Jim Thorpe was one of them. You know, he didn't really have uh, much employment. He wasn't educated as far as uh, knowing another job. Uh, he knew sports. And so we wanted to bring him up today as a, an icon, as a pillar of sports greatness, uh, a man who achieved uh, some of the most remarkable athletic feats, and not only that, but a ballroom dancer, which is considered athletic. You know, billiards he was great at. Nobody could beat him. Um, he ran over people. He reminded me of Jimmy Brown in a lot of ways, or Jimmy Brown reminded me of him. You know, he'd either run past you or he'd run over you. And so Jim Thorpe, uh, you know, certainly was one of the most legendary uh, figures in sports. Well, that'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports, where we were talking about Jim Thorpe. Hopefully we educated you a little bit. Jim Thorpe, the greatest athlete. While all of you enjoy your day today, of course, uh, resuming the XFL this weekend. Uh, Some pretty exciting games last weekend, even though the league has been panned by the so-called radio experts on sports radio. uh, I thought the games were uh, very competitive and uh, maybe just as good as some of the NFL games I've seen. You might want to check it out. Sports Beat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you again.